for me. It been that day for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances. But this a nigga with some counterfeits. But now I'm counting this. Parmesan with my accountant lives. In fact, I'm down in this. Do say with my boobay tastes like Kool Aid for the analyst. Welcome to 30 Minutes with Nettie. My name is Nareda Fernandez. I go by Nettie, and I am your host. The mission of 30 Minutes with Nettie is to provide a platform to discuss and share personal stories to enhance our understanding and personal growth. The idea is simple. The more we share, the more we can learn from one another. Hello, welcome to episode 24. We are on week 19 of 2017. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for sharing and telling your friends and family about the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. I do plan on catching up with the episodes and catching you guys up with what's been going on behind the scenes. But to kick off May, did you know that May is Lupus Awareness Month? 16,000 people develop lupus each year. And as an advocate, I invited CJ, who was diagnosed at the age of nine, to come share a little bit of her story and her experience to teach us a little bit more. Thanks again for joining me. Let me know what you guys think. And a special thank you to CJ. CJ, thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your story, and giving us a little glimpse into your world. Hey guys, I'm here with CJ. Hi CJ. Hi. So CJ is going to share with us her experience with lupus. My name is CJ. Uh, I'm originally from Milwaukee, I guess you could say. Um, I was an army brat, so we kind of I kind of lived all over. Um, but I grew up in Milwaukee for the most part. Uh, moved out here. I want to say in like 2012. I was diagnosed with lupus when I was nine, about nine and a half. Okay. Um, and actually, this is the 20 year anniversary since I was diagnosed. I don't remember a lot of like leading up to my diagnosis. And I don't know if that had to do with being as young as I was or I remember being in a lot of pain. I remember not feeling normal, the things I were feeling like nobody else was feeling. And I remember a lot of doctor's appointments. I remember doctors telling my mom, it's growing pains, oh, she'll get over it, or uh, whatever they thought it was, she didn't believe it. And clearly leading up to us seeing the specialist, like there were clearly things led up that led up to that. The final straw was kind of or the final thing that led up to was both my elbows locked up. I couldn't straighten them further than about a 90 degree angle. And they had fluid on them. Uh, we went to see a rheumatologist in Brookfield, Wisconsin. It was one of the only rheumatologists in the area. Yeah. Uh, I remember them taking this huge needle, putting it into my elbow and extracting fluid. 
And after all these blood tests and all these uh, other factors that they had to look at, uh, that was the day that they made the diagnosis when they pulled it, and that was kind of like the confirmation of everything. From then on, I started medication, and uh, it was really my mom who kind of set the tone from there. So before we jump into more of like what you've experienced, can you explain a little bit of what lupus is for some of us that might not be so familiar? Yes, lupus is a autoimmune disease. The easiest way to kind of describe it is uh, we have immune systems and those immune systems in our bodies are designed to fight off infections or invaders that come into our body um, and also keep the healthy tissue healthy and protect it. Uh, in lupus, something kind of goes wrong with that communication and the immune system doesn't know the difference between foreign invaders and healthy tissues. So in a flare, your body is just kind of freaking out and attacking everything. So it's literally your immune system is your body's attacking itself. Gotcha. So, I mean, to keep it kind of simple, uh-huh. that's what, and it can literally attack any, anything in the body. Uh, very commonly, it's like joints, muscles. When it attacks organs is when it becomes kind of a different uh, beast, per se. So there's lupus SLE, okay. which is systematic um it can affect any system of the body when it attacks the kidneys it becomes lupus nephritis Um, and it lupus nephritis is separate from lupus sle or a different diagnosis because of how serious it is right Uh, and then something that i found out i didn't even know too much about lupus nephritis because I spent the first 19, almost 20 years of with just SLE. And, and to say just SLE, <laughs> I mean, that's it, it's not just SLE, but without the nephritis diagnosis, I never had any kidney involvement. And does it normally start on the, what is it, SLE? Correct. Um, or some people start in the severe? Uh it, it can get kind of complicated, too, because then there's also uh, a form of lupus that's drug-induced, okay. meaning that, and I have, I've never really understood that, but I guess there's certain medications that you can take that can, I guess, give you all of the symptoms of lupus. Oh. Uh, I, I don't really know a lot about it, but my understanding okay. is once the medication is stopped, so do the symptoms, and it's, it's a drug-induced lupus. I don't know a whole lot about that. I don't want to be like, I don't yeah, want to misquote yeah. on that. But um, lupus SLE, the one that can affect any system, is kind of what I always knew everything about. Okay. Uh, so 19 years and then it got to the severe. So that must have been. It was literally like a lot of people have said, oh, you've been able to, you know, oh, you're so blessed. You've been able to live this mostly normal life. And absolutely, I can't deny that. Even with all of the challenges I've had to face over the years with it, yes, I'm very blessed. I was able to live a mostly normal life. Um, I was able to work full time. I was able to 
be on, you know, dance teams. And for the most part, like, uh, that wasn't something that, but to, uh, get a diagnosis. Yes. I already had lupus. Yes. I already had these complications. Yes. It's already something that I had to live with and I've kind of gotten used to after 19 years, but to be told you have stage four lupus nephritis was like waking up to being told of a brand new diagnosis of lupus. Mm -hmm. It was never that severity. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I literally, I I went from lupus, SLE, obviously we're having some flares, things are getting really bad. I I, had gotten really sick. Um, I'd gotten the butterfly rash on my face, which is one of the most common physical signs of lupus is the butterfly rash. Uh, And that got really bad. Uh, And this would have been this past summer. Um, So that got really bad. It went up to my eyebrows. Um, There were parts of it that were actually like bleeding open. So painful to even have the slightest amount of light touch my face was like burning. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was still working and I worked in retail. So I'm constantly dealing with customers all day long. Not only that, but also at this point, um, most of the hair on the top of my head had fallen out. Uh, I've had cut most of it off at this point just because it had already fell out so much Mm -hmm. that it was getting really thin and damaged from whether it was the medication or whether it was the lupus itself. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was wearing scarves. And I I think the hardest part about that was I continued to try and work. Like, I I know that it was something that is visible. I know people can see that. It it wasn't like, I'm not stupid. Like, this is a red, inflamed, painful butterfly rash on my face. And I know it's there. And it's like, I can't put myself in someone's shoes looking at me. Um, but there are certain ways that it, it made me realize, like, as society, like, it is not something that is talked about or discussed or so many people. It's such a taboo thing. There's different ways to approach things. Like, I'm not that person. Like, I, I had many people over that course of time either ask me about it or acknowledge it or and there's ways of doing that appropriately and not um to ask me what's wrong with my face is the quickest way for me to turn around and ask you what the hell's wrong with yours like i have a reason like and it's kind of one of those things it it does make you defensive people came up to you and asked just like that yeah what's wrong with your face yeah or like you would hear comments um well because of the fact that sometimes Comments like that could come innocently from kids or like, and and that to be completely honest was the hardest thing because you've got this six year old kid looking at you going, what's wrong with your face? Mm -hmm. And then you've got the parent just standing there like, oh, since my kid asked, I'll just wait for the answer because that's really what I wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. And it's like, or there'll be like this awkward silence of like, how do I explain to a child what's, or to have children and adults stare at you even though I'm not looking at you 
you you can tell when someone's staring at you and you know as much as I could I definitely tried to play it off I'm not that vain that I couldn't it, it was absolutely something that was hard to accept it was painful it was a disfigurement on my face like that was very hard to accept. I stopped looking in the mirror because I I wanted to act like it wasn't there. And the only time I got a reminder that it was was when it got so painful or when someone else acknowledged it or stared at me or brought acknowledgement to it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it was very hard to like learn how to be in public. I didn't want to be around people. It got to a point where like that, it was just hard to be around people or it became a conversation with everybody or people assumed I had cancer. Mm. Um, like you just assumed that or um, when people don't understand it and you say, for example, I had a, it was actually a, my neighbors, um, I had a bandana on one day and they had asked me like, oh, why are you wearing that bandana? You think you a thug um, or what, you got cancer or something? And it was, it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, yeah, this was a ch- like you have to choose like what to take personal and whatnot, and like I you know you know they didn't mean any harm, but it was kind of like, actually, guys, I don't have cancer, but I'm wearing a bandana because I did lose my hair from an illness, and it was kind of a. Did you say that? That was your response. Yeah. Oh. No, I did, uh, and they said, well, well, what do you have? And I told them I had lupus, and they asked me what it was, and at that point it was like I'd kind of gotten I don't know for whatever reason, but I kind of gotten a little like emotional or and I said well look it up and you come talk to me about it and you ask me questions after you look it up these were like teenagers or uh, no 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 they were they're like adults no 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 they're kids kids oh like, kids no no kids, yeah yeah, kids, yeah. they're they're like okay. six no, oh, like seven okay. eight ten twelve somewhere in there. yeah yeah so um yeah yeah and so it was like it's one of those things where it's still like they're almost one of the hardest people to deal with that type of thing because I'm not someone's parent. I don't know what you know or what you understand or but talk to your kids. Like there were there's also times too where, you know, I have no problem answering questions. Uh it's how you approach things or to and then people are like, How do you approach it? Or a lot of people are like, Well, I, I wanna ask, but I don't wanna like offend you. And it's like talk about the white elephant in the room, my face, like, or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, I'm okay with it. It's like, I'd rather you just be straight up and be like, what is that from? Yeah. Just ask me like, oh, I have lupus and it's the butterfly rash. And it's like, interesting. So is that like, and ask me about it, you know, like I've had, I had a lot of people do that. And like, I had way more respect for people who asked questions or tried to understand. Um, I think the highest respect I have is for people who do find out something like that and take a genuine interest in finding out about it whether it be sitting down with me and asking me about it and trying to understand it or looking it up on their own Mm -hmm. and then coming to me with questions Mm -hmm. like there have definitely been times where I've been talking to someone and they're like so with lupus do you and they'll ask me something and it's like, the only reason you would have asked that is if you already researched something and yeah. you're, you know, and it, and it always makes me smile. Like, mm-hmm. A, you cared enough about me mm-hmm. to take an interest in looking that up and like how you can be there as, or, or at, to have people straight up. So many people have said like, how 
people don't realize too having like a significant other they need that support too like it is just as much a battle for a significant other as it is for you going through that like I don't think in a sense like I'm so much more what's the word I'm looking for I would rather it be me that was sick going through this than to be the person watching yeah. me go through it. Like, I, I don't think that I could be in my partner's yeah. shoes. And I'm kind of glad it is the way it is because I, I give her props. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't. Like, that's something that um, to be very, very transparent, like, there's when things started to get bad, there were mornings. Um, damn. <laughs> um, that I would wake up four hours before I had to just to be able to walk. And I'm still working full time, like trying to make ends meet, trying not to let it get the best of me, trying not to, you know, still trying to go back to work or still trying to do what I can. And it was, it's, been like a readjustment to life um to accept that there are things you can't do I've never been one to like I was that person like you can't tell me what I can't do or please tell me what I can't do so that I can go do it like I was that person so when was it when you just had you it wasn't up to you you just couldn't work anymore August 25th 2016 the crazy part about all this so the day i went on fmla august 25th my birthday is august 26th so i went on leave like the day before my birthday it was kind of one of those irony things like man i'm not gonna have off for my birthday be careful what you wish for so for a good like 19 years as long as you're taking the medication you could pretty much live a quote-unquote normal normal quote unquote you know i hate to use the normal life but you know what i'm trying to say like yeah for sure i worked full time i would have i would have flare-ups here and there and by the type of flare-ups i would get would consist anywhere from it would be mostly like muscle spasms my joints locking up arthritis type pain it was a lot of that uh i actually I wasn't sure if I was going to go here, but it's part of it. Um, there is a huge struggle and battle between pain and dealing with it and how to deal with it and the different ways of dealing with it. And initially my treatment started out, I'd say I was pretty good, normal life, my like flare-ups here and there, you know. But things didn't significantly change until about maybe 2011, 2012. I started to experience a lot more pain uh, to the touch. That was when I received a diagnosis for fibromyalgia. Uh, I never really believed that diagnosis. It was just a personal decision of mine. I am not saying there are not people diagnosed with fibromyalgia that do not experience unimaginable pain 
I felt like my pain was coming from somewhere and you called it fibromyalgia because you didn't know what else to call it and you just wanted to put something on it to treat it and I never really bought it I guess so from there it turned into oh well you need to go to pain management and it turned into a daily regular regimen of narcotics I was on ridiculous amounts of narcotics and it was to the point where they they controlled my life because of the fact that once you've been taking pain medication, I was on, um, I mean, it started as Vicodin, and from there it went up to Percocet, Oxycontin, and I was on those daily. And for years, daily, it, I was on those for about three years daily um there were times where if you're taking narcotics every single day for that long whether you want to or not you cannot stop taking those and not go through withdrawal or not experience uh something so at some point it also gets to the point where you're no longer taking narcotics for the pain you're taking it just to not be in withdrawal like now you have to take it just to function, just to be normal. Yeah. And from there it spirals into a vicious battle of letting it control your life and not being in pain. And you tell yourself that, well, I started my mornings with a handful of Percocet and a hot shower before I could move. Mm -hmm. That was how I started my mornings. Like most people get up and have a, you know, water and lemon or a, or a coffee. I had a handful of pills and hot shower and then finally I was able to function that turned in very quickly all it took was one time of them not refilling my prescription or using that to somehow and then all of a sudden I went wait I'm sorry what you're not gonna refill no we need you to and they needed me to do something or they needed and it's like okay but could you have told me that like before so you're just not gonna fill and that was when I decided this is not going to control my life. Mm -hmm. And I talked with my family and told them that I was going to detox at home. I, I wanted to get off the pain medication, but I did not want to go into like a facility or anything yeah. like that. As the year went on, the lupus progressed. Mm -hmm. And as the butterfly rash started to show, I continued to like, oh, it'll go away. You know, it was kind of one of those things. It slowly appears and you're, oh, it'll go away. It'll go away. And it just got worse and worse. And with that, it was more pain. I also was diagnosed then with, there's a lot of other like sub-diagnoses you yeah. then get. Uh, some of the other ones I had received were Raynaud's syndrome, which is uh, when your fingertips Sometimes it, you think it can happen to your toes too. Raynaud's though is when your fingertips turn like white or blue or from like cold weather. Okay. It, it It's kind of a, they call it Raynaud's phenomenon, I think. Mm -hmm. we, for the simple fact that we don't really know why it happens, but it has to do with the circulation and what happens. Okay. Uh, I also was diagnosed with vasculitis, which is 
inflammation of the blood vessels. So it caused a rash all over my legs called petechiae. And it's actually a rash under the skin. So it almost looks like purple bruising all over your skin. But it's this deep, deep, like purple. And it doesn't hurt. It's not painful. It's just very prominent. It's, It's just like... Almost what a birthmark would look like, but it's this purple petechiae rash under the skin. Uh, And that was, it also caught the vasculitis also caused my cuticles on my fingertips to literally peel away. Mm -hmm. Um, My fingertips, mostly like the, the cuticles, the cuticle beds, the nail beds would turn red would start bleeding would like the skin would just it was like it it became raw almost like ulcers uh i would get horrible horrible ulcers on the roof of my mouth uh that would be so painful i couldn't eat and they would last for months i would lose a lot of weight did it hit you where all of it yeah hit you at the same time and that's that happened in 2015 where all of that happened. So it was everything except for the kidneys started happening in like the end of 2014 into 2015. And the losing of the hair, that happened around that time too? The losing of the hair happened gradually over time. Okay. It's one of those things where your hair starts to thin out. So you don't notice it right away. You're kind of just like, all of a sudden, it's kind of one day. You're like, my hair feels thinner. Mm -hmm. And then some more time goes on. It wasn't until maybe May, Mm -hmm. June, that it was like, damn. And then all of a sudden, it was massive hair loss. Like, Mm -hmm. the whole top part of my head head was almost bald and then kind of in the back um and then once that happened it what was I gonna do keep the rest of my hair long I cut all my hair off I took pride in my hair I had long thick beautiful hair like I loved my hair and I loved the fact that it was long and so it was part of in a sense my identity like I my long hair was part of who I like I was and to lose it and begin to like have to accept this. Yeah, it's just hair. Yeah. I know. It wasn't that. It was just there's something about yeah, you can throw on a wig and feel good or but there was still something about getting in the shower and washing my head. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not washing my hair anymore. I'm not brushing my hair. I'm not I received the diagnosis at the beginning of September. I'd changed, I'd, I wanted to take a different direction because of all the medications I was on. <clears throat> uh, to give an idea of the strength of the medications I was on, uh, and I'm still currently on, which is part of the treatment, is Celsep, which is a anti-rejection medication used for transplant patients. Okay. And one of the reasons... They kind of like broke down like how it exactly affects, but that's the main treatment for the kidneys. Okay. And then I'm on, 
I was on very, very, very high amounts of steroids, prednisone. When I was in the hospital, I was receiving it through IV at 70 milligrams. Uh, anyone who's ever been on prednisone could vouch that's an incredibly high dose, especially to be receiving through an IV. And then to continue that high of a dose afterwards, found out I wasn't absorbing the prednisone right. Then we find out I have a condition where my body doesn't absorb uh, nutrients from the foods I eat. Mm -hmm. So then it was like all these supplements, but then I had to take like double the supplements because my body was only absorbing like a portion of it. So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, so how about instead of just increasing the massive amounts of medications because I wasn't responding to anything. Like they kept having to increase the steroids because I was still flaring. I was still, I wasn't responding to the point where my rheumatologist said, if this dose doesn't do something, we're going to have to do something else because there was no option after that. Mm -hmm. He couldn't go any higher on the steroids. And at this point I only weighed about 89 pounds. So he was, even more so at a point where he's like, eh, tolerance or no tolerance, like toxicity level, like right. we can't put you at any higher of a dose. And that was a point where I had to really take uh, take control of my treatment. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go a different direction. I said, instead of, if my body isn't absorbing stuff, instead of increasing the dosages of everything, why not try to figure out why my body isn't absorbing it and fix that? Mm. I, that just was what made sense to me. Right. So I contacted a integrative uh, medicine office. I was recommended to a doctor there, went to see her, and took a more holistic approach. They have, it's uh, alternative medicine. Okay. So... They have a more holistic approach. I started doing acupuncture, um, massage therapy, which also was energy work. And it had to do with like a lot of releasing energy tensions. And um, I'm not gonna get too into that. Everyone has their own beliefs as far as that go, but it absolutely is something you need to believe in. Like don't waste your money going to something like that. Okay, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So that's what you're currently on right now. Um, it, it, I was on it for a little while. Here's the thing about that. The integrative doctor is also the one who gave me a prescription for medical marijuana. Okay. Um, and that became, I worked very hard to get off narcotics. So I refused even this time around to go to pain management. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'll manage it at home then if I, and so once I got, that was, that is now my pain management. That is also my management for they wanted to give me prescriptions for the medication gives me insomnia. So they wanted to give me sleeping pills. Nope, I have a strand for that. They wanted to give me medicine for the anxiety that it caused. Um, nope, got my own prescription for that. They, there was another pill for nausea they wanted to give me. Nope, there was the medications suppress my appetite. I can't eat. This is like so crazy to hear all of the drugs that they like. Yeah, they, um, I couldn't eat. I, was lo- I had lost all that weight. So then it was, well, you need to gain some weight. Well, I can't eat. Well, I can't. Literally this one medication, medical cannabis, to be able to have that. And I've replaced narcotics. I've replaced all these other pills that they would have wanted to give me, like benzos and all other. I literally have eliminated seven different types of medications by taking medical cannabis. And I really wish that 
information was out there more about it. Like actual information. Like I go to a dispensary. I sit down with my own pharmacist and we go over the strains that we found out are best for me and my situation. And so why should I have to live every day in so much misery as far as being nauseous and waking up throwing up every morning before I can do anything because I'm so nauseous from the medications like no one should have to go through that and I wish it didn't have the stigma that it did like there's nothing wrong with it recreationally but also it's medical like there's so many medical benefits sorry I didn't mean to go into like no that's good to hear because you're actually as I don't know if you've heard uh I think it was like episode three. I don't remember, but I had another guest, Christian, okay. who went the holistic way, and it makes a huge difference. And like to, the first time I went to the dispensary, the dispensary, it was the coolest experience, just to be surrounded by people who are so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to Ellavel okay. in Highland Park. And they're so knowledgeable. They were so friendly. From the moment we walked in the door, uh, because Chris is my caregiver, so she's able to come with me. And it was all educational. It was all they wanted to know about me. They wanted to know about what things I wanted to treat. Like Super cool. Thank you for being so honest. I I didn't even know we're going to go. Me neither. And that's why I said, like, like, I had no idea what to expect because there's so many different, like, you know, it was. Yeah. There's so much. I'm, like, listening, and this is everything's just like, God, because I want to know everything right and that's why it's like i don't even know where to so now we've been talking a lot of medical terms and a lot of a lot of that aspect now i'm interested in like you as a human i know that you've been going through this as since you were nine so 20 years you've kind of have built that confidence or built or i really don't know you know i don't know what goes behind closed doors Mm -hmm. but i will tell you this that just from the outside and just me seeing you what once every blue moon you have this confident energy around you. Thank you. And, you know, the last time we saw each other was at the dance classes that you and Crystal were giving, and it was just, and I did notice it, mm-hmm. but it, like, erased as soon as we started dancing. It wasn't something that I was focused on, because it was just like, dang, look at her go. You right. know, her little dance right. with the dancing. So... And, like, with you sharing how you lost your hair, and I'm, like, thinking in my head, like, oh, my God, that must have been so emotionally hard. Do you think it's just something that you've, that confidence that you've built? Uh, Is there dark moments? Absolutely. Um, And I'd have to say there was a lot of times with lupus, it'll be a trigger. Um, There's... Uh, stories of people who have had a pregnancy, a child, and that's when lupus was triggered. Uh, It was dormant, per se, until then, and then that's when Mm -hmm. it kind of showed its face, and that's when they received the diagnosis. Sometimes it's uh, a car accident or some type of major trauma that can happen to the body, and that's when it triggers that diagnosis. So it is a matter of relearning how to live once that's happened. For me, having been diagnosed 20 years ago, it can be said, yeah, well, you've you've lived with it for 20 years, so you've had a chance to digest it and understand the disease and understand the... 
I don't understand it today any better than I did. And, and the new challenges <laughs> that come with it, right? Like when people right. would, like when you were sharing how people would stare at you and like kids, like, dude, I feel like I just like freaking crying. Like, oh, let me just go in the back. Like, let me cry myself. It literally, that, that was the hardest thing because honestly, without outside of the butterfly rash, there's not a lot of physical, you don't see that I'm sick or that I have this severe illness. Uh, I mean, to have the butterfly rash, it's, it, it was almost a bittersweet of finally something that you can see that says I'm sick, that it, it's like that feeling, but then it's also like, damn, I don't really want to broadcast that on my face. It's literally like wearing, I might as well wear a sign on my forehead, you know, and that's what it feels like is you just have this like blinking light on your forehead, on your face that people are just staring at you. And that was the hardest part about continuing to work, like constantly interacting with people. And it also sounds like you have a very good support system. Absolutely. I, someone asked me the other day, they were recently diagnosed with lupus and they asked what to expect. I didn't even know how to answer that question for the simple fact that I I don't know what to tell you uh, in the sense of everybody's different. I have no idea what physically you can expect going forward, what you can expect with how your condition will play out. What I can tell you to expect is struggle, pain, heartache, um, keeping it very real I'm not gonna tell you it's gonna be all great and you're gonna be I have no idea it is gonna be okay but you're gonna have breakdowns you're gonna have I can't tell you how many times I broke down crying in the mirror staring at myself because I didn't recognize the person that I was looking at because yes it's just hair and yes it's just your face but you throw this rash on your face and then you take away the hair on the top of your head and then you tell me if you don't cry a couple times, like, damn, that didn't just change your whole perspective on. And that was, yes, I've had it for 20 years, but I never knew what it was like to lose my hair like that. Mm -hmm. I never knew what it was like to have my face have a flashing red sign on it. Like I, there were so many things that, yes, I've had lupus for 20 years, but I'm experiencing things that I've never experienced before. And I'm literally learning how to live with a brand new disease because it changed that drastically. I lived the very first part of my life very naive to how serious it could get. And it slapped me in the face last year and showed me just, I mean, it, not even just how serious it can get. I'm still very blessed and fortunate. You reach a point where it is what it is. And it's just being able to be around people and like, Yes, I want you to know what this is. I want you to ask. I want you to understand so that it doesn't have to be this awkward thing. Care a lot less about what people think. That was the biggest thing I had to do is stop caring so much about what people thought. And I think you handle it very, very well. Or at least you put it out like that. I mean, like I said, I, I, you, to me, you always show like confidence. And you're a very beautiful girl woman <laughs> you know um and even when I saw you in the dancing like I could tell but you're like it's still you like it's I'm like it's CJ and especially when you started dancing it was just like I 
And honestly, like, that was being t- being faced with the whole reality of, like you said, I'm a dancer. I love dancing. We, that I mean, I made some pretty significant life decisions based on dance. And to, had to have made the decision to stop dancing because of it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. And for the simple fact that I couldn't have a team rely on me anymore because I couldn't rely on my own body. You know, I got to a point where, like, I can't even guarantee I can walk tomorrow. Many times flare-ups would present overnight. So I would go to sleep, and then I would wake up in the morning and not be able to walk. Um, A defining moment when I... This was shortly after I was diagnosed. I remember waking up one morning and my bed, I I had this king size bed, it was really high. I literally had to like jump into the bed. And I woke up and I remember going going to step out or jump out of bed and my leg didn't straighten. So when I went to step, I just kind of fell all the way to the ground and I sat there for a minute. My room was in the basement. And I remember kind of sitting there, like trying to figure out like what my leg's not straightening, like what's going on. And I remember crawling up the stairs. And I, I, I remember thinking it, it was probably like my elbow, how it had locked up. That was, it was a similar pain and it wouldn't move. I crawled up the stairs. I crawled to my mom's room and I kind of like got up on the bed and she wakes up and she rolls over and she looks at me and she's like, what's wrong, baby? And I was crying. It hurt. I fell like, and it was excruciating pain when I went to try and straighten it and it didn't straighten. And she looked at me and I've got tears rolling down my face and I said, my legs. And she said, what's going on? I, I said, my leg won't straighten it. It, you know, and she just kind of paused for a minute and she said, okay. Um, well, can you get up? Do you hurt? And I said, no, it doesn't. It like it hurt. It hurt a little bit, but I, no, it just won't straighten. She goes, okay. So, what are we gonna do? Are we doing crutches today, or? And I said, okay. Like yeah, okay. She said, okay. Well, let's get up. Come on. And she got me up, and I feel like that moment defined who I was with lupus going forward, and it was always okay, this is what it is. You woke up today and you couldn't walk, but what can you do? Like, what what do we need to do so that you can walk? Or what do we need to do to still go on with our day? That is going to happen, accept it, and move on. And after that, it was like, my mom could have chosen to turn over and be like, oh my gosh, poor baby, you're not going to school today, you poor thing, you're going to stay home. And, and I could have been a victim all of my life. But because she chose to not allow me to be that, I never was. Now, it was funny. I just told her that a couple years ago for the first time that that had that big of an impact on me and how vivid of a memory that specific time was. The funny thing that I didn't know was later that day, I'd gone outside to play with a friend that had come over. I was on my crutches and we're in the backyard. And she told me she remembered that day, too, and that she stood in the window of the kitchen crying watching me play and I just 
that is when I also realized I could not be the family member or the person watching. Like there's, mm, yeah, I, yeah, like. Yeah, so I, I think we have to thank your mom, right? Yeah, right, for sure. She for the way she raised you and taught you how to deal with this. Absolutely. Where. She definitely gave me my strength. I like that attitude. Like, all right, this is my challenge today. So how am I going to get this done? You know, how am I going to get through today? Because I got to get through today. Right. And it's, and it was kind of one of those things too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking. That's another thing. I never want anybody to feel like you're knocking, um, anything vain or anything. Girl, get your eyelashes, get your hair done, get your, I don't ever want people to feel any type of way around me talking about that stuff. Like, Oh, I feel it. that's just a reflection of you. That has nothing to do with me. So what is it about you that makes you feel like somehow don't feel bad for me? Mm-hmm. Like I might have lost my hair, but my best friend's a hairdresser. We worked this out like yeah. we worked it out. You know, I, I there's makeup if I really wanted to cover it. There's things like I don't feel any type of way and I don't want people to feel that way about me. But it's also like. Don't feel like you can't talk about those things or like do those things or feel like you can't complain about a pimple because, you know, just because your decisions and struggles when you wake up in the morning are different than mine doesn't mean yours are any less of a reality to you. Like just because you're sitting there going, my water was too cold and my teeth hurt brushing my teeth in the morning and I'm like, I can't walk. You know, it doesn't change that that was still like you have sensitive teeth that shit hurts like like your own reality yeah it is and it you know you choose which mascara to wear and i choose which wig to wear like i love it though like I've, i've grown to i just accepted to love it like that was my reality and i had to accept it and once it was a choice for me though like when my hair started falling out i wore scarves i chose how i wanted to handle that um, but yeah, it's the, yeah. the, the support system has been, the support system is big, big. Well, we definitely have been recording for over 30 minutes. Um, I like to wrap up all the episodes with one current goal. I am currently not working because of, uh, treatment, yeah. the lupus. And at the same time, it's really hard, like sitting at home. So... I wanted to find something to do to keep myself busy that I could do and turn into kind of a business. And so I am in the process of putting together and launching. I make homemade dog toys and pet toys, and I will be selling those. So right now I'm just like making as many as I can so that I have like a good amount. And it's a a lot of the people in my building all have dogs and stuff. So super cool. I figured combining my two passions, I cannot believe through this whole thing I have not mentioned my dogs because they are like the center of my universe. Um, Vega and Kush, and um, which have, they've also been a huge part of my treatment, like completely. Like if everybody who has any, everybody should have an animal. That it, yeah. They've been there for you. Oh my gosh. Uh, Kush literally saved my life. Yeah. When I first got sick, it, Taking care of him was the only thing that kept me going. Um, I would have probably, yeah, there were some dark times where I could have just given up on everything. And he kept me going. I had to take care of this little shit that would run up to me every day. Um, But anyway, uh, so goals, that is um, launching that. uh, Cool, cool. 
Cool. Well, I'll definitely like keep me updated and then I'll share it because I have a lot of my friends have dogs. So. Well, CJ, thank you so much. Thank and hopefully so we much. could go out dancing sometime. Yes. Very soon. soon. All right. Thanks.